We're asking the question, is it okay to learn about other religions that contradict Christianity? Before we start into our notes here, what would you guys say? You have thoughts on this, James? My mom kind of does sort of learn, like, but doesn't, like, like looks at what the biblical stamp said, Bible says, and looks what they're saying, and what, like, the other religion is saying, and this is stuff, like, uh, Walter also kind of does it with Greek mythology or North mythology that he's studying for school, or... That's fair. Okay, so your mom does it, your brother does it, and the Bible makes more sense. Nice. Uh, Mr. Peter. Well, when I was going to college, and this was a Christian college. Um, I had a class called uh, Religions of the World. Mm-hmm. I found it very informative and educational. Yeah. And I, so I think, for just for understanding purposes, I think it's useful to study about other religions to know what's going on with them. Yeah. Especially if they're religions that we're going to come into contact with. Yeah. Ezekiel? Well, I find it that if you know the other side of the debate, like you're going through the debate right now, if you don't listen to the other side, you don't hear the other side, mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So in the death penalty, we listen to both sides of the debate. So the side that we get, we know what they're, what they are debating about, and what yeah. we, we know what we're debating about. So that means we can contradict it. So if we only listen to the Bible, then we have no idea what the other, more Book of Mormon says. I have no idea what it says. So I wouldn't feel comfortable debating somebody about the Book of Mormon because I have no idea what it means. I have no idea what it says in it. So I find it better if you listen to both sides of the debate. Some of the best debaters in the world listen to both sides. They listen more to the other side than they listen to their Yeah. It's good. I read a proverb this morning that says that a wa- the wise man conceals knowledge, but the fool proclaims um, foolishness. In other words, the wise closes his mouth and listens but he holds in his knowledge, but he listens first. Whereas the fool just talks right away. Interesting. Adrian? I also think um, that it's good for um, when you learn about the types of religions that are out there, when you go into certain areas, it'd be good to know what what in that area they believe mm-hmm. so you can um, act accordingly. Yeah, it's good. Isaac? Uh, definitely, like, it's a good thing, but you also need to balance it. Like, you you just kind of have to hang around the balance to so study mm-hmm. it, but, like, you have to be careful of what you're delving into. It's great because even then, like, knowing religion also affects, if you're being a missionary, religion also affects culture as well. Yeah. So then you'll know what is a culture norm and how your best approach to them for salvation is. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we can't change the gospel, but there are different aspects of the gospel we might highlight depending on the culture and the religion. Yeah, it's good. Dominic. Um, I have a question to the question. Okay. What about religions that are practicing? Fair enough. Okay, so in other words, well, and what's interesting is a lot of the religions that aren't practiced anymore are having a resurgence of practice. 
Greek mythology is kind of being resurrected, Norse mythology. I've met, I've met folks who are, they call themselves a Norse pagan. And yeah, see? And there's folks that say the same thing about a lot of ancient religions. So I, I hear your point. I think it's helpful if we just give it a broad definition of whether it's a modern or an ancient religion. Um, either way, it, they fall in a similar camp. But I see your point of what if it's an ancient religion that's not practiced anymore, so there's not an evangelistic value. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah I see that. So anyone else want to comment before we start into our notes? Walter? Um, so at first school, I've been reading a book um, about Greek mythology. And actually, mythology actually is a human's way to like point about what they believe. So like the Greek myths... Even though they're not like Christian, they actually have like Christian truths in them. You can learn stuff about that. Mm-hmm. Well, really fun fact yeah. about that is the Greeks actually have the exact same story of Noah in the Ark, but just in a Greek form. Yeah, and there's actually dozens of of flood narratives in many religions. They have Hercules, but we have Samson, and they're like the exact same Pretty interesting. All right, Adrian had his hand up, and then we'll start into our notes, okay? Nailed it. Oh, you said what I was going to say. Great minds think alike, see? All right, so, so realize, as Mr. Peter said, this is actually a required class in a lot of institutions. It's called comparative religions. Um, some Christian institutions might call it cults, um, etc. Miss Brenda? There you go, Christian worldviews. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. So think about it. I've known people, young people, who when, while they're under their parents' roof, they have to go to church, they have to do what their parents say, right? But then, as soon as they graduate high school... They're, they're starting, they're like, well, now that I don't have to go to church, I want to investigate what's out there. Well, what about that? To, to see if there's other religions that you might want to believe. Okay, interesting question. Um, so, coming back to it. Is it okay to learn about other religions that contradict Christianity? And, John? I think to an extent. I, I think I agree. So, the way I framed our notes is uh, reasons to study other religions and then reasons not to study other religions. And I think both sides um, have persuasive reasons. And so ultimately, maybe our conclusion we'll give before we get there is to an extent. So think about some reasons to study other religions. Um, We've already mentioned, but there is an evangelistic value to studying other religions. In other words... How are you going to share the gospel with somebody if you don't know what they believe? If you never demonstrate care about their cultural and religious heritage? So, somebody you want to help us look up some scripture? Who wants Matthew 28, 19 to 20? Nathan. Nathan, go on over there. Nathan will read that. And then, and then we'll, we'll look at other scripture in a couple minutes. But when you're there, Nathan, read that for us. Matthew what? 28. Verses 19 through 20. 
And then, um, JD, you had your hand up, right? Why don't you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, okay? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5. We'll be there in just a minute. You there, Nathan? Yep. Okay, go ahead, my friend. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Thanks, my friend. So that is a passage that many of us are familiar with. It's called the Great Commission. That is some of Jesus' last words to his disciples saying, here is your task. Until I come back, our task, Jesus gave us. The Great Commission. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it boils down to our job is to make disciples of all the nations. To go into the uttermost parts of the earth. To preach the gospel to them. To teach them. Um, sorry, teaching them, baptizing them. Once they believe on Jesus Christ, then we baptize them, and then we teach them to observe whatever Christ commanded. And we have the promise that Jesus goes with us always as we carry out this great commission. That's our task. If you are a Christian, your goal is to help others see the light of Jesus Christ. So think about it. This is the evangelistic value to studying other religions. It's going to be challenging to share the true gospel with someone of another religion if you know nothing about what they believe. Now, the truth is the truth and realize, well, I'll come to that. But the second aspect to that is, if, you are un, if someone doesn't ever want to listen to you, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like they really care about you? No, it actually is a little offensive a lot of times. If they won't listen... They, they might not really care. So as we go out to share the gospel with someone, if we will never listen to them or ask them a question about what they believe, what does that tell them? It says, I don't really care about what you think. I just want to share with you what I think. Do you see the point? So by asking what someone believes, it helps us demonstrate love and care to them. Um. Exactly. Don't make them drink from a fire hose. That ends up bad. So, a couple illustrations. A couple illustrations under point number one. For instance, if Buddhism teaches that, re that you will be reincarnated after death, well, then why would they care about getting it right in this life? Because they're going to get a second chance after this life. They're going to die and they're going to be reincarnated. So, in order to help them understand the urgency of their need for a Savior, they have to first see what Scripture teaches. That because of sin, Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. There's no second chances after death. That's what the Bible teaches. Second illustration. If Mormonism teaches that Jesus is physically a son of God, in other words, he's physical offspring, and that we are physically Jesus' brothers and sisters, we're physical offspring of God, well then, in order for them to understand the true gospel from Scripture, 
Would not the deity of Jesus Christ, that no, he's not just another physical offspring of God the Father. Instead, he is God himself. He's God the Son. That's essential in our witness to someone from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But you see how when we begin to understand what someone else believes, it helps us show them the area of what Scripture says about that. And if you never listen to them. But here's what I was going to say. So we can study other religions, but there's always going to be something you don't know about what that person believes. Not everyone believes the same thing, even if they call themselves a certain religion. So, just a warning, if you've learned a lot about a religion someone claims to be, be careful of assuming you know everything they believe personally. Instead, maybe ask them, well, what do you believe about this? That shows concern, and it helps you be careful so you don't have to put your foot in your mouth. Second value, the apologetic value. So, JD, you have 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 for us? Can you, was that 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5? Okay, let's see here. Maybe I put down the wrong reference. I did put down the wrong reference. Hold on a second. Well done, James. Well, that's funny. Okay, one second. Let's get that right reference because it's going to prove. Uh... <laughs> oh, that's why. See, I left off the one. First Peter three fifteen. JD, are you still there? Could you read? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. There we go. So set apart the Lord God in your heart. Sanctify Him. In other words, He is special. He's set apart. He's holy. But then it says, be ready always to give an answer of the hope to anyone who asks you for a reason for it. So that's what apologetics means. It's not, apologetics is not making an apology the way we think of it, of saying, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Apologetics, instead, it comes from the Greek word. It, it's talking about giving a defense, giving an answer. In other words, if you have never considered other alternative perspectives to what scripture says, they might catch you off guard when you hear them. Do you see the point there, Adrian? Uh, a lot of, I think it's the Muslims. They, they like to um, catch you off guard even with things in the Bible. And they're really good at that, so you mm -hmm. have to be careful with that. I always find it's good. interesting how the Mormons know the Bible like extremely well. Like all of them are extremely well. Yeah. So, for instance, let me ask you this. Um, put yourself in this situation. You're talking with someone from another religion, 
and then they turn it around on you and they ask you a question. They say, well, how do you actually know that the Bible is truly God's word? It's supposedly God's word, but it's an ancient document. Some portions of the Bible are at least 4,000 years old. How can you tell me that it's been accurately preserved through history and through thousands and thousands of copies? Are you sure that the Bible you hold in your hand is actually God's word? Yeah. Adrian? One of them would be Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm -hmm. And there's the Torah as well, and which is part of this. But the New Testament, they'd also try to be like, what about the New Testament? I'll still have to, I'll have to um, do my research on that as well. So. Yeah, John? Archaeological evidence. Yeah, there is archaeological evidence, such as. Yeah, they found Jericho, and the walls fell. Just like God said. And remember the Hittites? For years and years and years, people made fun, scholars made fun of Christianity saying the Hittites never existed. We have no archaeological evidence. And then you want to know what they found? Archaeological evidence of the Hittites. <laughs> Verifying exactly what God's word says. And one more thing, Dominic, go ahead and then I'll say one more thing on this. Well, that's fair. Mr. Peter? Probably the strongest evidence for the validity of the Bible is fulfilled prophecy. Mm -hmm. So you go and you demonstrate, here's a prophecy that Scripture said, and then here's when it was fulfilled, after. I mean, even secular scholars acknowledge that Isaiah was written long before Jesus came around. Yep. Zach, you had your hand up. Sorry, but oh, you're good. Jews also have like Thank you. Um, thank you. I'm good. I have more copies. Isaac, you had your hand up, and then we'll keep moving here. It's kind of like how, like, I'm pretty sure C.S. Lewis, before, like, just like before he was a Christian, he was actually trying to disprove the Bible, and by trying to disprove it, he actually proved it. And then he converted. Yeah, converted, and he made yeah. a wonderful book series. Yes, he did. Several, in so fact. So think about this. One more tidbit from history is the Bible is by far the most well-attested ancient document that we have. Um, remember Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey? You ever heard of that? We only have a few dozen copies of that, and they don't agree about what the original text actually said. Whereas the Bible... Yeah. Exactly. And they're not ancient copies, manuscripts. Whereas the Bible, a 4,000-year-old document, we have... Um, we have 2,000-year-old copies of the scripture, some found at the Dead Sea um, Scrolls in Qumran. But there are thousands of copies of scripture, and there's over a 99% agreement of what the original said. It's, by and large, the most well-attested ancient document. And yet no one asks, well, can you really rely that what we have of Iliad and Odyssey is actually what Homer said? They take it for granted. They take it for granted. 
How much more the Bible? Interesting. Nathan? Do you know that they actually found almost 4,000 rusted Egyptian chariots at the bottom of the Dead Sea? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder how they got yeah. there. Right? Isaac? Go ahead, Isaac. Fascinating. Yeah. So it was five spokes, says in the Bible, and they were five spoke chariot wheels. Interesting. All right, go ahead, Dom, and then we'll keep moving here. I forgot what it's called, but in Israel, there's this place where um, Christians and Jews believe that um, where Isaac, it's up on a mountain, I think, Uh, but it's where. Do you want to come back to it? Yeah. So look at reason number three to study other religions. Look at reason number three. Personal confidence value. Understanding others' beliefs can help us appreciate the truth of the scripture. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, well, I'll back up. Um, to whom you... Oh, that's not going to help us much. I'll just read verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Here's what Paul is getting at. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not unaware of his tactics, of his schemes to attack us. So, understanding false religions that contradict scripture can help us be aware of the tactics of Satan. Do you see? Do you follow that? And then just over a little bit more, um, that second bullet point under number three, developing a basic understanding of other religions can help us understand the tactics Satan employs to blind the eyes of the lost from the truth and the light of the gospel of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Verse 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world... That's not God, the true God. The God, little g, of this world is Satan himself. He's in charge on earth. Now, his authority is limited because he's under God. But he's the God of this world. He rules this world. And it says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Realize, people who are lost, they're blind to the truth. They don't see the light of the gospel because the God of this world has blinded them. And he does it in many ways. False religions, atheism, all sorts of false beliefs. But ultimately it comes back to Satan uses lies. John? Uh, when you're talking about people being blind, I hear that in Amazing Grace was blind, yeah. now I see. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly it. One last thing. Go ahead, Ezekiel. 
like you said, how he like makes other religions like athe athe atheism. Atheism is a religion. It's an anti-religion. Okay. Oh, Allah, I think that was the thing. Was actually like he was telling people that the idols were wrong, and he hid in a cave. He was like, oh, there's a we're having hid in a cave, and he saw an angel tell him. I don't know what he said to him. Uh, to go and preach and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting because the devil is a fallen angel. Mm -hmm. So therefore, he's still an angel, so he can still seem like an angel. So exactly. He's probably the devil. Exactly. The story of Smith. Yeah. That is the story of Interesting, huh? And did you know 2 Corinthians actually says, concerning Satan, it says that he can transform into an angel of light. Doesn't it name an angel of light? Uh, not Satan. No, not Satan. It's other yeah, pre-fall, yeah. the morning star, yeah. yep, yep. So, one last thing, realize Christianity is exclusive. A lot of people in the world want to say, well, there's many ways to heaven. You know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and as long as we're both good people, we'll probably get there eventually. But Jesus said something quite the opposite. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So realize, none of the other religions can get someone to heaven. Only a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ will get anyone to heaven. But two reasons not to study other religions. Okay, remember, our job is to share the gospel. That's Romans 1, 16 to 17. We already looked at Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Remember, Romans 1, 16 to 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God for salvation. Our job is to share the gospel that has power to change lives. It doesn't matter how persuasive we are. Ultimately, we can't save people. Our job is not to argue. Was that what you were going to say? Titus 3.9 warns us of engaging in ignorant controversies that lead to arguments. Instead, our job is to hold forth the light of the gospel... That's what people need. If they're blinded, they need the light. And let the Spirit persuade their hearts as the Father draws them. John 6, 44 says that. Um, somebody want to turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2? Sean, get that for us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and you'll read verse 24. But remember 1 Corinthians 13 as Sean's going there? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is like. Love suffers long or is patient and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not vaunt itself up. It's not puffed up. It's not boastful. It does not behave itself unseemly. It does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But if we go into trying to share the gospel with someone with an argumentative spirit, that's actually contradicting our message. Do you see that? Sean, you got that for us? Read 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patience. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. In other words, if you're going to serve Christ, you can't be quarrelsome or argumentative. That doesn't serve Christ. Isn't that interesting? 
JD, you had your hand up for a while here. Yep. What? He is my light. There you go. Let's go. We need to look at a few more texts here before we finish this. So let's go look at these texts under number two. Go over to everyone. Take your Bibles back to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Nathan, I don't know if we're going to get to your question tonight. Can we save it for next week? Yes. Okay, deal. You heard it from him. So we're going to finish up the Bible. We're finishing it now, yes. So look back. So that means that this question is no longer anonymous. Dom announced it, didn't he? All right, look at Deuteronomy chapter 12 with me, you guys. Ready? Deuteronomy chapter 12, look at verse 29. Remember, Deuteronomy is written to the second generation of the children of Israel. The first generation came out of Israel, wandered in the desert for 40 years, and died. Now Deuteronomy is a reiteration of God's covenant with Israel as they prepare to enter into the promised land of Canaan. And here's one of God's instructions, verse 29. Deuteronomy 12, 29. When the Lord your God shall cut off the nations from before you, where you go to possess them, and you succeed them and dwell in their land, look at verse 30. Take heed to yourself that you be not snared by following them after that they be destroyed from before you, and that you inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. You shall not do so unto the Lord your God, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates have they done unto their gods. They even, for even their sons and their daughters, they have burnt in the fire to their gods. So, what Moses is telling the children of Israel, he says, Beware, God is judging these nations in the land of Canaan on purpose. They have done great wickedness. And he says, when you get in the land, don't inquire after their gods. Don't ask, how did these nations serve their gods? Why? Let me put it in modern terms. Beware of an infatuation or a curiosity with darkness. That only leads down a dark path. Moses told the children of Israel, beware. Don't inquire. Don't even ask how they serve their gods. It's too atrocious to even think about. But he says, beware lest you go there too. So in other words... That's what I would challenge us with. Yes, to an extent, get to know what other religions teach. But beware of an infatuation with darkness. Beware, lest that lead you to desert the truth. Satan's crafty. He's deceptive. He's tricky. He's way smarter than you are. Don't think that you're a match for Satan. He's been around for thousands of years. He understands humanity better than we tend to understand ourselves. But, even though you are not powerful enough to defeat Satan, John says in 1 John, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and God's spirit dwells inside of you, God's spirit is greater than Satan. By the power of the spirit, you can have victory. But don't think you yourself are a match for Satan. So, you can read the rest of that, but here's some, well, let me, I'll, let's get your questions or comments first, and then I'll give us some practical thoughts. It's Ezekiel. Like, uh, the, uh, armor of God, 
Yeah. yeah. It's like the armor of God. Ninety-five percent of it is defense, and only one is attack. That's right. Like the helmet, the chest, the belt, the boots. That's right. Are all defense. Yeah. There's only one attack. It's good, Dominic. Um, what about if you're a historian? Yeah. A yeah. If Absolutely. Yes. Let's come back to that in just a moment. Isaac. Uh, so then, like, going back to danger of arguing, that's kind of like what I was like, kind of thinking about it. I kind of spaced off, but like in my own thought about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I was kind of thinking about like, even though like power of arguing, it's not like how you said, it's not our job to persuade people. God does it for us. Like mm-hmm. you don't do something for God. God uses you to do something yeah. for him. Amen. So then like you, like you just love the other person. And you were saying this on a Monday, Wednesday night, that you just, you just be their friends and just be there to help mm-hmm. them and support them. And if they ask, you then bring out the apologetics. Mm-hmm. That's when you start preaching on the gospel. Yeah. You do it in love. It's good. You don't do it out of arguments. It's good. That's more of a like a defense cause, like if you're yeah. you have, but even then, um, it's kinda reminded me of Samaritan Purse. Mm-hmm. Which is like they I thought I'm thinking about this because they we did a Operation Christmas job at Kickstarter for our school today. And I was thinking normally like they go help people and then they preach the gospel and he just like their main thing is to help other people in need and then if and then like if they want to know about their God, about Samaritan first God, they ask them and then they teach them in love. It's good. Amen. So, go ahead, Miss Brenda, and then I'm going to wrap us down, okay? Yeah. Right, in something they can understand. Yeah. Again, like when they divide the languages, if you do talk in tongues, then you're talking to God only, but are you giving God to somebody else? Like if I go to somebody and start talking English to them and they speak French, I'm just annoyed. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So let me comment on what Dominic said. We'll wrap this up, we can talk about it more. Um, But, Dom, you were asking, well, what about a historian? Absolutely. What we're saying is there's value. There's value to understanding history. There's value to understanding others' beliefs. It helps us think and sharpen our own thinking. It helps us share the gospel better. And understanding history helps us not repeat history's mistakes. But, like I said before, beware of an infatuation of darkness. Galatians 6 Verses 7 and 8, that's on your sheet. It says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And then it goes on to describe, if someone sows to the flesh, he'll of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he'll of the spirit reap life. So, it's the principle of what you plant, 
that's what's going to grow and that's the harvest you're going to receive. If all you do is fill your mind with lies of other religions, with darkness and satanic deception, beware, that's probably going to yield some bad fruit in your life. So some practical advice. If you're going to study other religions, be careful, first of all, that you yourself are spiritually grounded. Maybe do it with a trusted friend, someone who is mature in Christ and can help you stay on the right path. But finally, maybe a practical tip. For every hour that you spend studying other religions and lies, spend 10 hours studying the truth. Because too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. If you do too much exercise, you tend to get injured. If you take too many vitamins, it turns your insides outside, if you know what I mean. So the point is, be careful. Spend more of your time understanding the truth. Are you following what I'm laying down there? Oh, 